And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Lights out and away we ayo! Welcome to No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks Inc. Classic Factory, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Whether you're joining us live in the Slipstream team here on YouTube or listening to the podcast later, thank you very much. I'm your host, Trey Kirby, and I'm joined today by our local F1 expert and a man who just got a raccoon lamp, oh, Graydon Gordian. That, it, it's so lovely. Look at this this, thing. Little, this little trash <laughs> man. Cute little guy. Oh, that's cute, man. It is. It's for the kids. For their for their bedroom, kids love a raccoon, but keep them away from actual raccoons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's but that it's adorable. Yeah, it's, it's a adorable. woodland theme kind of bedroom. We've also got our team principal here on the pit wall making the right calls. JD, JD, what's, what's up, up, man? How's it going, guys? Good to see you again for the second show of the day. The factory, it's an action. I today. mean, it is pumping out classics. <laughs> it is the rate of production here is off the charts. Great, and you don't even know. We got a triple shift coming on Wednesday. Oh yeah, what? I think it's the first triple header in a uh, classic factory history. Oh, um, God. I would have to go back and check the archives, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Gonna be a big right. day. No Gonna one... be a big day. Get all your subscriptions. Up. We're talking no dunks, no breaks, no buffs. Maybe we should just launch a channel called The Classic Factory that has all of our nonsense on it. Yeah. No one man should have yeah, that many no, classics. I mean, too too yeah. many classics, uh, but please do not squat on that account because that'd be a good one to have, actually. Nonetheless, <laughs> this is no breaks that you're listening to today. We're here to break down everything from the 2022 Singapore Grand Prix. And as always, we're going to start with Saturday's qualifying session. It was a wet weekend in Singapore. So, Graydon, what stuck out to you from Quali? Qualifying was weird. Oh, Actually, yeah. it was very weird and confusing at the time. I think everyone involved expected to see the track improve much more quickly than it did. I think they were on enters far later into the session than they anticipated. And once things did dry up, it was still a little touch and go, even Mm -hmm. though when they went to slicks, they were having to kind of tiptoe around a couple of the corners there. I mean, obviously, the the biggest, the most notable story was that Verstappen was probably on a lap that would have put him on pole, but was not going to have enough fuel to pass the test that they administer at the end of the session, which, if you remember famously, Sebastian Vettel fell victim to after a race, which would have disqualified him from qualifying, and I believe he would have started 20th. (laughs) I don't believe it would have sent him back to the end of Q3. I think it would have he would have been out of the entire Saturday session. So they correctly did tell him to box and not finish that lap so he would have enough. But that was very surprising, kind of a fairly uncommon mistake you're seeing from Red Bull. They don't tend to make those sorts of errors. I think it's because they – 
the actual fuel usage was also really dynamic during that session because as the track was drying up and they were going faster and faster fuel you know fuel consumption was increasing and they just they just got it wrong uh, for what it was going to take to do a full a full session uh fueled so it was uh, very odd but changed the makeup of the race immensely i oh, mean it had a huge yeah. impact on what sunday looked like the margins must be like so exact for those fuel regulations because like you're saying it wasn't at, even at the beginning of the lap that they called verstappen in they were like oh this is going to be bad halfway through the lap he's putting in purple sectors and they're like sorry man you got to come in but at least he took it well i guess the present <laughs> he was very chill oh, about man. it oh yeah the t- television <laughs> i mean nothing for me like peak television is like a furious yeah. max verstappen over the radio i guess the issue was is that if he had you have to go a whole nother lap around then to bring the car back in which that would have that would have definitely sealed the deal you can't just slam on the brakes at the finish line and be like see i made it like go in reverse like reverse your way back (laughs) in or something i mean it's definitely i don't know but it that was a uh yeah he he was a little upset oh yeah he was he was very pissed probably i know that there's a whole race ahead, and you never know, and things go wrong. And certainly in Singapore, people make mistakes. Max made a big mistake on race day. However, that probably cost him the race because pole position in Singapore is so critical, and like he probably would have just driven away with it. Well, and as we saw with what actually did happen on Sunday, you know, Sergio Perez had a pretty – Easy victory, all things considered, with the yeah. way things went down. So you have to imagine if Verstappen's able to start on pole, barring a weird start like Leclerc had, uh, it probably is another max victory. I'm a dummy, though. Graydon, Verstappen starts eighth. I saw you tweeting about it. I said, no big deal. Verstappen comes from behind all the time. That's his new thing now. He just wins wherever he starts. Uh, that was not the case. It, the, the, I get why you say that. He's been doing that constantly <laughs> yeah, lately. Yeah. It's not as if recent memory is not as if there, there's no good reason to believe that. But Singapore is different. I mean, it's the it is the the only race that it is more difficult to pass at is Monaco, right? Where it is quite literally almost impossible to yeah. pass. You know what I mean? So so it just holds people up, and you saw that. I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when you got into Sunday, especially when he got stuck behind. A sophisticated driver. He was able to gobble up really slow cars, true back markers for maybe younger drivers who haven't spent as much time on the track. But, you know, for a while there, he was stuck behind Fernando Alonso, very savvy defender, a guy who's put in, you know, countless laps in Singapore. And it doesn't even matter how much quicker he is in the Alpine. It's so hard to get past a guy like Alonso. He knows exactly where to put the car in every corner, so you can't get by. You know, so yeah. it's like I mean that was just going to be hard. It was going to be hard. I right? was surprised to see how much the environmental factors of everything was factoring into the race. Like they kept Crofty and Brundle were mentioning the humidity in the air all oh, the time. Yeah. They're like it's eighty eight percent humidity. Obviously they're racing at night, so you don't have any sun. So the little bit of wetness on the track. It was just staying wet the whole time. So even the places where you might have a chance for an overtake, they couldn't do it because it was just staying wet the whole time. Yeah, you can't go offline. And if anything, actually going to slicks, the funny thing was is this and this ended up – we're hopping around here. But this ended up affecting Leclerc a lot, which was when Leclerc went to slicks – when everybody went to slicks. And he was right on – Perez's gearbox and seemingly the Ferrari was really firing up the mediums better than the Red Bull was to start and it was like oh is this going to be the moment 
the, part of the reason that look, I mean, part of the reason was it's hard to pass, and while the Ferrari was faster for about five or ten laps, it wasn't that much faster. But the other half of the reason was is you really couldn't go offline in mm-hmm. the slicks because they were still soaking wet offline. So all the places where Leclerc would want to stick the car to overtake were 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 going to be a total nightmare on slicks as it was. So it, it just all the more ensured that it made a tough course even tougher. And on Saturday, just go back to qualifying for one moment. I mean, that we kind of saw foreshadowing of that, which is we were so deep into that session before you saw the the track change in any meaningful, yeah, in any meaningful way. So, and it was so much wetter on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Saturday was kind of a good preview for the way things went down on Sunday. So let's take a look real quickly at the results from Sunday's Grand Prix. I got to say, Graydon, this was the weirdest race of the season. It started an hour late. There were so many safety cars. I felt like Croft and Brundle were giving us FP1 energy out there as well. We even had to wait for an investigation at the end to make sure of the winner. But these are the results. Sergio Perez... Uh, takes home P1 even after being investigated for a safety car infringement or maybe multiple safety car infringements. And he did, he in was, fact, get a penalty. I think got a five-second penalty, but matter. luckily he disappeared there right at the end of the race. So he finishes P1. Uh, the Ferraris finish it on the podium as well. P2 and P3 for Leclerc and Sainz, respectively. A nice showing for the McLaren Papaya boys. Lando Norris finishes fourth, Daniel Ricciardo fifth. Ricciardo's followed by Stroll in sixth, Verstappen. Started 8th, finished 7th, had an eventful race. Uh, Sebastian Vettel there in P8, followed by Lewis Hamilton in 9th, and Pierre Gasly taking home the last point, finishing 10th. Ended up being kind of a dominant drive for Perez. They were calling it the best drive of his career. Horner was. Both Croft and Brundle said it as well. What would you think of uh, Sergio on Sunday? Okay, Sergio was incredible, and I don't – yes, once you're in – when you're in the lead going into that first corner like he was, you are in the driver's seat for the rest of that race. It is especially when in the wet the you know, the overcut was more powerful than the undercut. That ensured that they had they held all the cards. They mm-hmm. could wait for other people to pit. They could j- it was gonna be very hard to mess up Perez's race. It doesn't change the fact that at times, Ferrari Leclerc did put pressure on him. He weathered the pressure well. He It was clearly not an easy race to drive. Multiple drivers, including world-class guys like Hamilton and Verstappen, made huge errors. Yeah. And Perez drove what is a very clean race, you know, sh- short of a, a, a couple of lockups when Leclerc was right on him. You know, he was – he drove up uh, – you know, he really dialed it in. I will say the thing about the best race of his career is we all are seemingly forgetting the secure Grand Prix from 2020 in which Perez was at one point running in 20th and came back to win the race. So I understand for the Red Bull guys, they want to say that but because he was not yet with Red Bull. Yeah. But – I mean, no, for it's me, it's like, I mean, for me, it's yeah. like, come on, guys. That was not Crofty Brundle here. It's like, let's not forget, like, coming back from literally last to win a race. Pretty it, impressive. It's pretty impressive, <laughs> yes. especially when you're not in, like, a Mercedes or you're not in the dominant car, which he wasn't at the time. It's like, that's impressive. We should, that's his best drive. This, however, is his second best. I will give him that. Second best and first best of this season. First best, best of in this a, season. Best in a Red Bull. Uh, his second win of the year, I believe, as well, right? He won Monaco. in Monaco. So, yeah. I don't know. The the street circuit's kind of 
they favor, favor Perez because he's such a good defensive driver with his elbows out. We saw him defending for Verstappen last year in Abu Dhabi. The guy's great at keeping <laughs> cars behind him and in a track where it's really hard to pass. That's an advantage. And I also think I think that's 100% correct. I also think the other thing is, is he's the king of tire maintenance, you know, and tire management and in street circuits where basically pit strategy becomes so critical. The flexibility he gives his team in that area also makes him so dangerous in a street circuit. So he is really well built as a driver to win in these kind of places. It's not sheer coincidence and i thought it was pretty cool like we said at the end when they gave him the hurry up knowing that a penalty could be coming down and he said oh, oh you need me to go faster no problem he, turned one second lead into a seven second lead in two laps three i laps, cannot something. believe how much he spanked ferrari and leclerc over the rest of that i mean there was you know you know yeah there was like five minutes left and he just was taking huge chunks out lap over lap some of that i think was Leclerc overcooked the tires trying to, catch fall, him. trying to catch him and he was on his gearbox and they overheated and then the mediums kind of like fell off a cliff and he because he was just cratering there mm-hmm. even in relationship to science to other people his pace totally fell off but it, it doesn't change the fact that Perez was just like yo I'm out of here See, I, yeah, I mean yeah. he, I, he, he ripped it that was really impressive Still a good weekend for Ferrari, though. I thought they both uh, placed higher than Max Verstappen, uh, got a bigger haul of points uh, than Red Bull did, and it was the first double podium for the Ferrari guys since Miami. That being said, a better start for Leclerc, and he's probably in the Perez situation. Probably. The the reality was is that Perez also wasn't quick quick enough in comparison to Leclerc that he likely would have overtaken him either. All the advantages that he had probably would have been Leclerc's had they not blown the start. They were giving Leclerc, I get, a lot of free passes on the broadcast about the start. They seem to think his reaction time was good, but he just had some wheel spin issues in the wet. I I guess that's true. Nonetheless, hugely disappointing for him. Uh, That being said, a good, solid drive for Ferrari, a solid weekend for them. Uh, I would say... If not a decisive blow, they are right there in terms of, you know, claiming second in the championship Mm -hmm. after what was a very rough weekend for Mercedes and a very solid weekend for them. That was a this was a huge win for them in that battle, you know. Yeah, we'll definitely get to Mercedes a little bit later when we're talking about disappointments from this weekend. But another one of the disappointments is that for a little bit. Uh, after the race on Sunday, we thought that Carlos Sainz had peed in his race suit. As it turns out, a hoax of a tweet. But I like to think he peed his suit regardless. I, somebody has to have done that. Why would you not? Well, you definitely like are not going to stop, right? You're not going <laughs> to stop. Somebody must have done that, right? Like they just had to go in the middle of the race and they're like, I'm going to go. Football players do it. They talk about that. It's a, totally. I remember, you know. uh, and they throw up sometimes, right? Like a yeah. Donovan McNabb, a famous thrower-upper. Uh, I remember Bill Walker of the New York Knicks peeing into a towel on the sideline once upon a time. When you got to go, you got to go. And these guys, like you're saying, you can't even stop for more no. than three seconds. Yeah, totally. So they're not. They're they're definitely just peeing their pants sometimes. <laughs> Let us know down in the comments if you think <laughs> okay. an F1 driver has ever peed their pants while driving. <laughs> I mean, or don't. Either way. Yeah. Um, also, like we've been saying, kind of a weird weekend for Verstappen. He could have been on pole, had to abort his last lap, though, due to fuel. I thought he would cruise through the field. You said not so much. He had a slow start from P8 
seemed to me he was getting a little frustrated being frustrated for the first time in, you know, three months, basically, out on the track there. He locked up on an overtake of Lando Norris at one point. He had that weird timing with regards to the safety car with Norris as well. All in all, still not the champion yet. Needs to outscore Leclerc by eight points and Perez by six points to win in Japan. So we live to race another day. Which Japan is the, we'll talk about this at the very end, but the circuit which has seen the most F1 champions crowned. The oh, GP. Just because so of the is, timing of the schedule? the timing. Yeah. It's just at the end. It's n- nothing about it other than that. But it is like the, so, you know. Uh, it actually, I don't think it's just, it's, I think it's Japan in general, not Suzuka specifically, but, um, yeah, he did have a bad weekend. I mean, obviously the, the quality stuff really hurt him, but I would say that at the end of the day, he didn't, he also hurt himself. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just the Saturday issue. His start was a catastrophe. I mean, he dropped down into what, 13th on lap one, I think because, you know, he had some issues getting started up. That was a huge mess. It, it, it created a ton of additional work for him to do. Um, you know, he, his huge lockup trying to overtake Norris after one of the, you variety of restarts that it's impossible had. to keep track of them yeah especially once they <laughs> once they went to the timer and like they don't even have the lap number up on this i wish the screen. they I'm still like, had the lap number because it <laughs> like made, you know the 33 minute mark it made it hard it, it makes it hard to reference yeah. right now like when i was thinking about that like wh- like when was leclerc even battling perez <laughs> almost, i was like i don't know yeah. like where were they in this yeah but no, but that was a mess, and obviously it caught. It meant he had to pit yet again for fresh tires, you know. So he had an extra pit stop in there. Mm-hmm. That that was a mess. He, honestly, he he had a bad race, but listen, I mean, it's it's like uh, he's he's basically bad at a thousand this yeah. year. Other <laughs> yeah, than this, exactly. I mean, this is like the only race that you really look at, short of. I mean, because the other errors he's had, it's like, I think back to like, you know, Barcelona where he overcooked it through a corner and went into the gravel and then he ends up winning the race or something like that, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. he's made errors, yeah. but it didn't come back to haunt him. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I did, you know, so that it, this is the only instance where it, his, you know, his overaggression, this is kind of an old Max. This is what totally, Max totally. was like three or four years ago, right? Is I get frustrated, I'm mad, I'm, I'm more talented than this guy, why am I stuck behind him? And he lets that get the best of him, but it's not going to prevent him from being world champion in a race or two at most. That's exactly right. But outside of the race up top, probably the biggest storyline to me is that we do have some intrigue in the fight for fourth place in the Constructors' Championship between McLaren and Alpine. A double DNF for Alpine, their first of the season. Back-to-back scoreless races for those guys. Meanwhile, Lando Norris finished P4, Daniel Ricciardo P5, which boosted McLaren into fourth place in the Constructors' Championship. Was this a good day for McLaren, a bad day for Alpine? Or a little of both. I mean, it's it's. I would say a, a both. I mean, it's a terrible day for Alpine. The double DNF oh, yeah. really sucks, and it comes at a bad moment, especially given where Alonso started, and then some of the mistakes you saw in front of them. I'm not going to say that he could have ended up on the podium. I don't really think there's a world where he finishes in front of signs, but you know, he he. You know, I don't know. It's he definitely. It was. Uh, it's a bad race to to have a DNF when you started in the top five. But then mm-hmm. also, I mean, McLaren, what a cu- what a race for Ricardo to go from what sixteenth to fifth, sixteenth to fifth. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's huge. I understand that. 
a lot of luck was involved sure. in that, but also like a lot of just like competent, like solid driving to make sure that you capitalize on the opportunities. You walk through the doors when they open them up. You don't drive into a wall like half a dozen other people seemingly <laughs> did. I exactly. mean, it's like, I, you know, it's great. And Norris, again, like just looked killer. I mean, he's that. I You know what I'll say? This is a coup for McLaren because coming into this weekend, they were really down on the car mm-hmm. and how the car would perform in Singapore. Meanwhile, Alpine felt pretty confident and felt like they were going to be competitive and you saw the exact opposite occur so as far as like where they should be performing and where they believe they can score points you saw the exact opposite of the team's expectations happen so i'm you know huge for them yeah huge for them and we got a really tight race now uh for fourth place in the constructors championship i think it's just four points separating mclaren mclaren from alpine and fernando alonso said that he estimates he's lost 60 points so far this season due to reliability. He's had a lot of good runs, and then obviously a lot of DNFs, and this was the worst one and so honestly, far. he was driving excellently. Yeah, totally. Like, he was putting in a great drive. It didn't look to me like, you know, short of some clever pit strategy or uh, uh, some quick reactions after a safety car or something, it didn't look to me like Max was going to be able to get past him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't really even knocking on the door. He was right there, but there wouldn't, you know, he had, it was going to require a big mistake from Alonzo to get past him. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. So he was driving great. Well, speaking of open doors, we did see Esteban Ocon just cruising through the subway system. Oh my um, God. <laughs> after DNFing from this race, you see the open doors right there. You see patrons of the subway system just it's walking like family. Out. Uh, listen, I, I'm an advocate of public transportation and I'm glad <laughs> to see that spot Ocon is as well. I guess it's just because like this is the fastest way back to the paddock. Uh, uh, I, how? How is this the fastest way back to the paddock? I mean, but isn't okay. the paddock the fastest way back? No, no, no. no but, he, but he's like uh, the car. Okay, so he's crashed. Yeah. Or he's he's failed. The car's failed. Yeah. It's, he didn't crash. The, the engine failed, right? So sure. he's out somewhere on the track, <laughs> out in the streets of Singapore. <laughs> and maybe the subway. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Is I have a question. Circuit? Did he just walk through the subway system to maybe go like under a street or like under the track? Or did he like get on the subway and go to a different stop? <laughs> because that's <laughs> If it's the latter, that's especially incredible. I like that he kept his helmet on. So yeah, nobody it's would recognize great that him. he has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, so you oh, they won't know who you I want am. to be inconspicuous. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah. Cool. So bit of a disappointing <clears throat> outing for the Alpines, but a surprisingly good one for McLaren. Let's talk about some other surprises and disappointments. What did you? What else you notice on Sunday? I mean, from a surprise standpoint. Both Aston Martins finishing in the points has got to be a big surprise, huge. I was especially happy to see Sebastian Vettel have a decent race after what I think were a few disappointing outings and in a place where he has really dominated over the years. He actually is, you know, probably the most dominant driver in the history of the Singapore Grand Prix. So it was nice to see him, like, you know, finish back in the points and have at least one of his final races at a place he likes go well. I uh, so that that was good. And then on the disappointments front, I mean, it's it's without a doubt gotta be Mercedes. Oh yeah. Like it's it's a mess. It's a huge mess. Like what they did. You know, so I mean the the Russell's uh qualifying going poorly and then them having started the back that, you know, that 
that sets things up to go badly. And, and obviously that whole situation is kind of a mess. You know, I, I don't blame them for trying to go to Slick. So that was probably a little too early of a call. I think we, you could decisively say in the end, but things kind of go from bad to worse for him over the course of the whole race. And then for Lewis, who seemingly is right there, a podium place is in the cards totally blows it you know driving just straight into a wall at mm-hmm. one point it, it, he's lucky he was even even able to continue oh yeah so you know so that i mean he definitely was you know moments away from a dnf so that's for them to walk away from that with just two points when in reality they were maybe the second fastest car on the grid is is really disappointing yeah, I know Russell said he thought that they had a race-winning caliber car, at least, depending on how things would have went down. And that was certainly the buzz for Hamilton as well going into uh, going into Sunday. But he had a slow start. Like you mentioned, he crashed late. Russell started from the way back from pit road due to the power unit changes. You said he went to the slicks too early, no doubt about it. Finished out of the points. The only good thing that happened, I thought, for Mercedes on the entire weekend was when George Russell was battling with Mick Schumacher pretty late in the race he ended up making contact with him which was a problem but he had a great line on the radio when he said that schumacher was defending like it's the race of his life crikey crikey the guy said crikey on an f1 radio that was amazing to me he is the most i think of crikey as an australian thing yeah yeah but i will say that russell is feels like the most british man alive like he may he says the most britishisms just like casually of like anyone i've ever encountered in my life he just says the most random cartoonish british phrases <laughs> like like That's it's great. insane crikey i thought that was hilarious and you mentioned aston martin great uh sunday for them lance Stroll finishing in P6 and Vettel in P8. Some pretty cool uh, moments with Verstappen, Hamilton, and Vettel all going, you know, following in a line for the three of them. (laughs) I don't know, from the 10-minute mark to the five-minute mark maybe there (laughs) at the end of the race. That was fun to watch. Uh, Aston Martin also moved into seventh in the Constructors' Championship with their nice haul of points on Sunday. Only thing left to do for Singapore, Graydon, is to hand out our Full Beans Driver of the Weekend Awards. It's the No Breaks Award for the driver who gave it their all this weekend. Who you got, Graydon? This is, this is a tough one for me. I was a, I thought a lot about this, but in the I, I almost never actually give it to the guy on the top step but I'm gonna this week I'm gonna say it's Sergio Perez I thought he drove probably the best cleanest race of anybody out there I think I, you were you were telling me that you thought it was the drive of his life single best Grand Prix he's ever ever raced <laughs> yeah that, that's like, what you were saying before that's what the I was show. Saying. but I, I my thing is is like everybody else out there it's less that I am like okay he drove a great race but then as I looked down the list I was like everybody else on this list like kind of screwed it up yeah. a little bit at one point. Maybe Sands Norris, who actually drove sure, pretty well. Yeah. Like I, you know, everybody else in here, there's like, you're really going to give the driver somewhere. of the week to that guy, given like how he did it. You know that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Leclerc, slow start. Uh, yeah. Hamilton crashed. Verstappen had his problems and obviously signs peed in his race suit. So it couldn't be him. Hey, signs looked terrible, actually, I thought. They well, I mean, it was covered looked, in urine. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's like covered that. in his own piss. And then, and then, and then, <laughs> but Leclerc in Paris just totally drove away from him in the beginning. I mean, yeah. there's no, you know, that, that was ugly. And, 
you know, yeah, everybody else is kind of a mess. Yep. So. I'm with you on Perez. Uh, the moment when they were like, you've got a one-second lead, you might get a five-second penalty. We need you to disappear, and he did. That was awesome. So shout-out to him. I think he's the guy. You mentioned Norris. I think Ricardo probably should get maybe a third-place vote. Yeah, Start that's 16, fair. finish fifth. He couldn't pass Lando when Lando was on mediums and Ricardo was on softs. Nonetheless, still Danny Rick's best race of the season, I do believe. But we want to hear from you, so let us know who's getting your full beans driver of the weekend. Leave it down in the comments below. Tweet at us, whatever it may be. You got anything else from Singapore? Uh, I think that's probably it. It was a you know wet and wild one. My that friends. was a weird one. It that was, was a super weird, weird race. Very, very choppy. So shout out to Sergio Perez for actually being able to keep it together and not botch anything. That was kind of the key. Yeah. Don't botch don't beat it yourself. you're doing all right. Don't beat yourself. We're going to try and not botch things when we come back. We're going to play a little bit of gas or brakes. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Back with no breaks. Got a good comment here from Greg and the Slipstream team who says allegedly... Michael Schumacher peed in his suit regularly. Okay, well, it just shows that the great... I mean, you want to emulate the greats, don't you? That's exactly right. (laughs) I don't know if it's actually true what Greg is saying, but I am going to 100% believe it, and I think that's the secret to his success. So gas or brakes, peeing in your suit. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm all gas on that. I think when you're stuck in a situation like that, it's what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, it, it, it begs the question of, like, when is or isn't it appropriate to pee your pants? <laughs> I think... It, <laughs> it just begs the question. And, and it's the, there's not many situations, I guess. Or maybe there are, actually, many. Long athletic uh, endeavors, I think, is the is, key. Is a, is a yeah. big one. That's a huge yeah, one. Maybe in the ocean. Are you like count. an ocean? That doesn't count. Yeah, man. but I'm just saying that's an acceptable moment. That's totally acceptable. But you're not even wearing okay. pants. Then. Yeah, you're when not, you're a yeah, child, you're when you're a baby. Your yeah, you're just peeing. No, I know you're just peeing. But that's you're what I'm saying. Man. I'm just saying we're peeing. You're not go. That. You're not peeing in a restroom or like undo or like in the woods where you've undone your pants or something. You're just going. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? You would be wearing a bathing suit. Yeah, you're just going. That's what I'm saying. You know, that's what I'm saying. So those are when when are you like I'm just gonna go. As Even, I'm dressed. Actually, and, now that you've mentioned it, when I'm in the ocean, I will release the beast to pee. <laughs> because I don't want beast. it I don't want it on my uh my lining. I don't want I don't like the <laughs> Okay, so you will try okay. I don't want it on my lining. Yeah. I mean I can see anyways, right? No, so. not really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I I don't know that everybody's doing that, though, and I will say that people who don't do that, I'm not judging. 
I'm not judging anyone either. You can also sort of lift up the leg and yeah, then just sort yeah, of yeah, 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 have yeah. it peek out. I just don't want it on my lining. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Because chances are I'm going to end up like at a, 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 a beach bar or something, you know, and then you're a, eating a burger yeah. and I'm sitting in my own piss. Which brings me to the point of that. It is like, that's why I refer to it as peeing your pants. If you wouldn't be doing that's such, right, if you go out after right. and you're not you're sitting right. in your own pants. Yeah. I mean, you know, so... An exceptional instance, driving an F1 car, running a marathon, being a baby. These are probably the big four I can think of off the top of my That's head. That's the Mount Rushmore right That's there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do gas or brakes for real now. Gas or brakes. Oh, we've had a lot of news. We've had three weeks off, basically, since the last release. And a lot of stuff has happened. So, first up was announced during... Our break that Zhou Guan Yu will be returning to Alpha Romeo for the 2023 season. The rookie is currently 18th in the Drivers' Championship. So, gas or brakes, Graydon? Zhou Guan Yu returning to Alpha Romeo 2023. Yeah, I'm all gas on this. I think it's great. I get he's 18th in the championship and, like, there he's he's not had the points haul that maybe you would have hoped after the first couple of races. They've had some unfortunate DNFs, some reliability issues. But I actually think that he's driven really well. He's looked really confident, really consistent for a rookie, more, you know, than earned the right to to keep his seat, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. Had a really fun start, scored points in his first race. We were all fired up for Alfa Romeo with Valtteri Bottas performing pretty well uh, early in the season. They've definitely disappeared as the season has gone on. But between his performance this year and the fact that he's bringing in some big sponsorship dollars, I think pretty gas that uh joe's coming back as well but yeah more driver news from the past couple of weeks <clears throat> yuki sonoda also coming back he will be rejoining alpha tauri next season for 2023 as well he's a second year driver and he is 17th in the driver's championship as it stands right now what do you think Graydon gas or brakes yuki sonoda back with alpha tauri i'm I, i'm i'm a, not as not as gassed gassy. on this one i mean i love yuki he's a huge character he's hilarious I'm glad he'll be around to be a wild card out there. But there are so many talented guys knocking on the door right now that it it does feel like he's had a decent shot and he's been real up or down. And maybe it was time to get another guy in there. But I don't know. I guess this certainly ends. I mean, I I guess this is the official end to the, the Colton Herta rumors, right? It's like I... But uh, yeah. right, so it's but there are, um, I don't know. I it just I don't hate it. I'm not like why in the living hell does this guy have a seat? It's like Yuki has some really raw talent. It's just I feel like he's had a good shot to put it together. And- yeah, I'm with you. I think it's uh, I think it's fine that he gets another year. But next season feels like make or break to me. You've yeah. got to perform, especially since it feels like. He's going to be the more experienced driver for AlphaTauri next year. There are rumors that Nick DeVries will be announced as a replacement for Pierre Gasly next season. Apparently, that news is supposed to drop at some point this week because Gasly will then be free to sign with Alpine. So if you're looking at a team that's Yuki and Nick DeVries, at least you're keeping around one of the guys that you've had for the past couple of years. So at that point, he's got to perform. Yeah, and I do get it in that sense that that – having no driver continuity can be really complicated for a team and, and with the continued 
development of the car and the sort of feedback that you're getting from a driver, it really hampers you it, to have two rookies or two guys who are totally unfamiliar with the car as far as the feedback loop that the engineers are getting. But I think that, yeah, I will say that if DeVries is out there who has shown himself to have some stuff on track this season already, you know, Yugi has has got to be beating him mm-hmm. the vast majority of the time. If it's even like 50-50 with DeVries, I think that's like a terrible outcome Bad. for him. You know what I mean? Like, the, it, he's got to be notably the best driver out of the duo. I think you're exactly right. <laughs> One driver who won't be coming back next season, however, is Nicholas Latifi, who will be leaving the Williams team at the end of this season. He's in his third season in F1. Currently... In 21st place, out of 20 seats, the writing was kind of on the wall when Nick DeVries outscored him in his Formula One debut at Monza there. So, no surprise, but Graydon Gasser breaks Nicholas Latifi leaving Williams after this season. Ah, the GOAT himself. GOAT Latifi. You know, he's a, he's a rebel. He plays by his own rules. Not the rules of the track, but you know, he just kind of <laughs> like he and I, and I, I love that about him. But yeah, he's got to go. He's I mean, he's go. really bad. He's this is I, one thing I'll say about Latifi is, is we give so much. Not you and I, but like the F one community loves to hate on Stroll because he's like driving for his dad's team. Yeah. He probably would never drive if he didn't own the team, you know. And that's true and all. But Stroll is actually like. A reasonably average, confident F1 he driver. He scores points a lot. He scores points a lot. Latifi is also a pay driver, and he sucks. Like, <laughs> like he's only there because his family is immensely wealthy, and he's terrible. Like, he, I mean, he's a, he's a has he scored points yet in Formula One? Yeah, he had. Um, he did have points last season. And I'm trying to remember. You're right. Where he, it was. he scored in Hungary and Belgium last okay. year. And but Belgium, the Belgium <laughs> the race, race, by the way, where <laughs> yeah. he got points for just if you qualified in the top ten. But then I, but <laughs> Hungary, I guess, is a more legit, you know, points haul on his part. But yeah, that's the, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest influence Latifi has had in his Formula One career is having the safety car in Abu Dhabi that ended up changing the championship. So a major role during the 2021 season, not necessarily for his results. He's a part of F1 history. He's a part of F1 history. Who do you think is going to take his seat with Williams? Because I think Albon is locked in for next year. Albon is locked in for next year. I don't know. You know, the funny thing is, is I would have said... DeVries, if you had asked me last week, sure. you know, so uh, now I'm not sure. Um, uh, Logan Sargent's name has been bandied about, right? Um, I think, I, I don't know who else is out there. It's definitely, I, I think it'll definitely depend on w- what relation, historically, like Williams has kind of needed either a guy who could bring a lot of money to the table or had a strong tie to uh, a major team that could help fund him. And, but they do have a little bit more cash. They are better capitalized than they were in previous years. Is that going to free them up to just go with the most talented guy? I don't know. Things are more dynamic in a good way back at Williams. So, you know, I don't know. Um, it's it's not – if the DeVries to Alpha Tauri thing is true, it's not who I would have guessed it would have sure. been. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think they mentioned uh, Mick Schumacher might be in the mix, uh, Nico Hulkenberg as well. So there's a lot of random drivers just hanging around out there. For sure. Both of whom I guess are still in the race also for the Haas seat. That's what they've also been talking about is is Nico and Schumacher as as – 
vying for the seated Haas. And I don't know if it's like, well, whichever doesn't get that will slot in it Williams or does Williams not have an interest? I don't know. It's, I have no idea. So only time will tell. Let's go off the track though and talk tracks. The FIA announced a record-breaking 24 races will be on the calendar for the 2023 Formula One season. So gas or brakes grade in 24 races for next year. That's a lot. It's a lot. I, I mean, we're at 23 right now, so they're okay, at one. so it's not that. I don't know what the breaking point is here, but at some point, we have to stop adding races. We can't <laughs> yeah. just we're almost at one every other week for yeah, an entire year. Yeah, it's just like a lot. It's a lot of my wife's like going to be really upset with me about the <laughs> amount of hours I dedicate on the weekends to just like staring at the TV. I don't – I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's fun. I will say I look at this, and I'm happy that there's 24 races – in the sense, I'm lightly on the gas, in the sense that the races that they would have cut are races I don't want them to cut. There you go. So so I'm, so I'm if I'm just thinking about it practically, none of the things that – everything on the chopping block is something I wouldn't have wanted to lose. For so, instance, like a Monaco, which a will Monaco, now be renewed I, until at least 2025. I didn't said. want to lose Belgium. I really didn't. Uh, and, you know, I don't – there's – they're really looking at, you know, possibly – dropping some of the historic races and i don't i don't want that so that is you know there's a lot of i don't know so we'll we'll see long term how many they can sustain my one the thing that i will say about this is the thing we don't that gets overlooked here is the toll this takes on all the people who work for the teams Mm -hmm. the people who are there early who work long nights who are away from their families you know who aren't like the drivers who like sweep off to their private jets and shoot back to Monaco, but who like finish the race and have a ton of work still to come. And, you know, and and, like this takes a huge physical and mental toll on those people and adding these races that that is where that's really experienced most acutely. It's easy to forget that. Mm -hmm. So I just, I hope those folks are, I don't know, being, well compensated for their time, I'll say that. More so. and more races, more and more travel for this. And I think that's another big factor, too. Uh, F1 keeps talking about carbon neutral by 2030. And there are still these massive travel weeks. Like, you go from, like, Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi in a week. That's flying all the way around the world, basically, you know. Basically, so, yeah. Uh, and there's more than one of those throughout the F1 season. So we'll see how many races... We have when it comes to 2030, but now for some more fun stuff. McLaren debuted a new future mode livery this past weekend in Singapore. The papaya is still there, but they added a bunch of pink into the mix. Seems like a little bit more black as well as pixelated graphics all over the place. They're going to be using this livery in Japan as well. So gas or brakes, Graydon. McLaren's future mode livery. What do you think of this? Ah. Busy. I'm, I'm pretty breaks on this. Pretty breaks? Too I'm much? Pretty bre- it's too much. I'm not – like, I generally actually like what McLaren does from a livery standpoint, and I think they have, like, good design sensibilities. But it's a bit of a mess. I don't like in the back half of the car, the logos are, like, all over, all the, over place. the place. They're yeah. all over the place. To me, like, the biggest challenge of an F1 livery is, like, the artful integration of all the sponsorship logos and making them feel like they're, like – they're they're an organic they're part, part of it than just, slapped, just slapped on, on there. And I feel like these look slapped on there. These very much look slapped on there because you can tell they tried to get as many logos as they could in the black paint on the car so yeah. that it would really stick out. That being said, orange and pink is an underrated color combination. I've yeah. got a mug that it looks like oct- that at home. You think they're doing it for October? 
<laughs> you think this is pumpkin spice papaya? It's like spooky season, McLaren. <laughs> they should actually be great in October. Maybe that's why they had a, oh, they had a, a nice, nice race. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just wait for the candy corn to be in the stores before they really turn it up. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Finally, this was not really Formula One, but Formula One adjacent. Ferrari is releasing their first SUV, the Puro Sangue. <laughs> I think that's I think that's how it's pronounced. Sure, it'll be the world's fastest F- SUV, going zero to sixty in three point three seconds with more than seven hundred horses under the hood. Yeah, retails for I mean, a cool three hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Already has more than two thousand pre-orders. Gas or brakes? Ferrari's first SUV. I, I'm, I'm a uh, brakes, bro. I'm brakes. Yeah. If you're okay, getting a Ferrari, good. why are you getting an good. SUV? Okay, thank you. I was gonna. I was getting. I was. My exasperation was not indecision. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was that. It was exasperation. It was like I, I. I. Yeah. That's my thing. You're buying a Ferrari, and that's the Ferrari you're going with. That uh, get, I agree. Get a, get, I would want yes. one that looks uh, very ostentatious, a little obnoxious. Not just like a the nice Testarossa looking. Testarossa. Yeah, whatever. Testarossa or whatever. Whatever they be. What other nowadays. ones they have. Yeah. I, don't I know. feel the same about um, the Porsche Cayenne. I'm like, why Why? why would you, yeah, why are you why? doing the SUV? What do you think, JD? Would you have a Ferrari SUV or would you want a Ferrari sports car? Absolutely not. I would never, ever have a. I could barely stomach the SUV that I have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. a Ferrari, no way. No way. Would I'm you getting... want a Ferrari? Like, if you were like, okay, I've. I've I've got all the money in the world. Money is no shit. Would you be like, yo, I'm going to get a Ferrari, or does that not interest you at all? Oh, I would I would get a Ferrari. Okay, yeah, red. 100%. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've always, <clears throat> as a kid, my favorite uh, was the Porsche. Porsche 911. Yeah, well, their Classic. Porsches are awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. And slightly more affordable. I could probably buy 10 of those right now one Ferrari. Well, <laughs> yeah, not right now. <laughs> couldn't, even, couldn't even buy one right now. But... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for thinking that, though, great, and I appreciate yeah. that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run out. I'll be back. I'm gonna buy ten Porsches. <laughs> I'm thinking about selling my house and just buying Ferrari's first SUV. Just yeah, living out just of that. Just to live you know? out of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a spacious. Greg the makes a good point here in the slipstream team. Ferrari is pretty adamant that they're not calling this an SUV. They're just it? calling this their first four door crossover. Mm. Okay. But that thing looks like an SUV. I mean, I get why they're SUVs doing it from like a business standpoint. Yeah. I will say these like these sports like the Porsche Cayenne which you mentioned and even the Lamborghini SUV, I see way more of them than I would have thought of when they yeah, first yeah. came out. Like oh, people yeah. do buy these things amazingly. So, I get why they're doing it. I just don't want one. <laughs> well, I mean, I or and like yeah. I don't like it's I want like, it as my second Ferrari and I don't yeah. think it's cool yeah. like it's like I, I neither want one nor do I find it cool nor could I even afford one would I go get one etc I do like the yellow brakes on it though that's nice. the yellow brakes nice are little tight <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, nice yeah, touch yeah. the yellow brakes are tight but let that. us know gas or brakes on any of this stuff all the driver <clears> news uh, the new color scheme for the McLarens the new schedule for next year and this beautiful $400,000 Ferrari SUV we're gonna take One last break to talk ads here. When we come back, we're going to Japan. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Back with no breaks. Graydon, do you own a tuxedo? I do. I knew it, man. You're the, you're the kind of guy that would own a tuxedo. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I th- yeah, I like, I don't, I I really do not like renting sure. a tuxedo. Like, I far prefer a well-tailored suit. So, I, I, at some point, yeah, I bought a tuxedo. I think you should wear it for our last show of the season. Yeah, you obviously. Yeah, yeah at the end. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah that'd be really awards. cool. Yeah, we'll do like sure. a night show. You can come there's in wearing a, a tuxedo. Yeah, I, I'm down. Well, you're going to have to get it out soon because there's just five races remaining in the Formula One 2022 season. But before we head to Japan, let's take a quick look at the updated standings. Max Verstappen, despite finishing seventh in Singapore, still up top the driver's standings. He's at P1 with 341 points, 104-point lead over Charles Leclerc. Who finished? Who's in P two right now? Two hundred thirty seven points. He's two points ahead only of Sergio Perez after Perez's win in Singapore. George Russell's in fourth, followed by Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Fernando Alonso, and Valtteri Bottas. There in P ten. Didn't see much Bottas this weekend. We did uh, not see much Bottas. On the team side, Red Bull is still in command here. They got this thing locked up. Five hundred seventy six points in the constructors' championship. They're followed by Ferrari, who has a little bit bigger lead now over Mercedes in P3. Mercedes is quite a bit ahead of McLaren in P4, like we mentioned. Four-point lead for McLaren over Alpine in P5. Alpine is followed by Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin, Haas, Alfa Tauri, and Williams, bringing up the rear in 10th place. We're headed to Japan this weekend. Practice Friday, Quali Saturday, race on Sunday. First time back in Japan since 2019. Do you remember the last podium? Graydon in Japan. I I and I, I honestly I don't. Was Lewis Hamilton? Went, did he, he finished win? third. Okay. Botas, Vettel, Hamilton, Vettel, and the okay. Ferrari at the time okay. as well. Okay. So okay. gonna be racing at Suzuka. Graydon, what's the scouting report there? Okay, so Suzuka, very technical track. I think back in the mid two thousands, Fernando Alonso called this the most difficult track hmm. on on the calendar. Uh, at the time, at least. So, I th- subsequently, the drivers do love it, but it is a real challenge. Lots of very high-speed corners that you really have to be—you really have to nail it to maximize. It is a fairly narrow track, so overtaking opportunities are limited. Quali is going to be important. Saturday is important, probably not historically not as important as Singapore, but you know we'll see. Um, it definitely is something where another botched quali from a. a a major team could really affect, you know, their outcome. Uh, I will say the other thing that's just great about it is this is probably a top five race, top three race in terms of the fans. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese love F1 and they are awesome at this race. They're so loud. They're so fired up. I'm really glad it's back after a couple year hiatus because of COVID because like it's a like it's a vibe. They're really fired up. It's great. So I always I, – I love that about this race. Even the F1 <laughs> website is like the Japanese fans are going to dress up like crazy. And I think that's really cool yeah. and exciting to be like looking forward to seeing what kind yeah. of outfits they're going to come with. Yeah, they're like – they love it. They're like super – they're like super fired up about it, which is great. It's cool. It's great to see, especially with, you know, I don't know, potentially – you know, a, a Honda-powered car, you mm. know, you know, taking the race, which I think it's been uh, it's been a long time since that was the case, like the early 90s or something. So, you know, oh, that'd you be know, very 30 cool. years. Yeah. So that's so that's, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. I mentioned it earlier, but Max Verstappen needs to outscore Charles Leclerc by eight points and Sergio Perez by six points to win the Drivers' Championship in Japan. Do you think it happens? 
Is this the end of the title race? So that would mean that if, let's say he got first and Leclerc got second, but Max got fastest lap, he'd still Ooh, do it, right? Point, he'd yeah. still do it, right? Yep. I'm, I'm maybe like a 50-50. Almost certainly, I mean, Leclerc, yeah, I mean, I, I it's going to be tight, but. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. The fastest lap point is going to be huge. Yeah, the fastest yeah. lap point is really going to be huge. I don't know. You know, I don't know. So that it's, I, I say it's a 50-50. It's close. It's close. Yeah. I do think that it's a track that will lend itself to the Red Bull. Okay. And if if Max hooks it up in quali, then yeah, it could be done. He'll drive away. I think he might have a be in a good position to even go for the fastest lap himself at the end. I mean, it, as long as they have a clean race, I think, yeah, they can do it. Do you think they'll put enough fuel into the car for quali? You know, I don't know. Well, they'll think about it. They haven't done that 100% of the time, so, I, so it's tough to say. I think they're going to overflow it this time because they feel bad about you know, like it's uh, botching gonna, it it's this gonna weekend. It's going to click, yep. and then they're going to give it like a little extra at the end. Yeah, they say not to do that, but then what happens when you run out? I like to shake it to make sure I get every last drop, drop from that tube in there okay, so I'm yeah, not getting yeah, ripped yeah. off. Not yeah. me. No, no, not no, me. no, no, no. I don't want – yeah. That is this weekend, though. Like I said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We will be back next Tuesday. To talk about it. We haven't locked it in, but we're pretty good that at sounds, the Tuesdays these days. That right. uh, what else we got? You should follow Graydon. You should follow him on Twitter. At Mr. Gordian. That's M-R-G-O-R-D-I-A-N. Today on No Dunks, Graydon, we talked about over-unders for the upcoming NBA season. Ooh. Your what, San Antonio what my Spurs, Spurs at? are at 22 and a half. Worst oh, in the Western Conference. Wow. That's the worst in the Western Lowest Conference. Lowest in the Western Conference. I will say after last night's preseason game, I get why. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I watched that and I didn't think, oh, yeah, we've got a bunch of wins coming our way this year. Uh, I don't know. I'm still I'm still taking the over. Over. You would have made – I'll I'll just say this. You would have made a lot of money in the last 20 years taking the Spurs over. They that's, always, that's a good point, yeah. They always are a little bit down on them, and Pop always gets the guys to kind of like maximize their potential and slightly outperform where Vegas had them set at. That was basically Skeets' argument on the show earlier today. <laughs> if you want to listen to that, just follow No Dunks, Inc. anywhere and everywhere. Like I said, we did Western Conference stuff. Uh, no offense to you, Graydon, but I did go under. I it's it's under. it's the first time I always take the Spurs over like every single year. It's the first year where I <laughs> I I have paused before. <laughs> like, and yeah. I, I feel some uncertainty about that. Yeah, one. but uh, it'll be interesting to see who's who's worse. The full strength Spurs. I can't believe they have fewer wins for their over unders than even the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are already missing their two best players. That's wild to me. But that's all in our Western Conference over under podcast. We've got the Eastern Conference over-unders coming up on Wednesday. Also got Is This Good and No Bunts on the Triple Shift Wednesday. We've got No Buffs Thursday morning. That's on the No Buffs feed. I think that's all for right now. Oh, no, I'm lying to you. Friday, we're going to be dropping our Redeem Team film session. Oh, fun. You going to watch that? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'll watch. Did yeah. you watch that game live when it happened? It was like... 3 a.m. or something like yes, that. Yes, I did. Olympics. I did. I stayed awesome, up, man. but I, I did watch it live. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. That was really a good time. Uh, so that's coming Friday on the No Dunks channel. So follow all these various channels. Until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, be fast or be last. Nailed it. Nailed it.